everybody, and welcome to the Natch 20 Review. We are Final Show Films, and what that means is I'm Sinsaku. Pookie. Units. I'm Shadow Chorus. And we produce content of all different shapes and sizes. And if you'd like to know more, please go check out our website, finalshowfilms.com, and our Patreon at patreon.com slash fsfilms for less than the price of a really good cup of coffee at Starbucks, you can help support us making these things. Have you been to Starbucks? You could support us for less than the price of a crummy cup of coffee. It's true. For less than price the price of a cup of coffee is a firstborn and your kidney. There you go. Uh, so, uh, here on the Natch 20 Review, we review and critique tabletop games. That's the thing that we do if you haven't caught on in the... This is like the fifth episode. Um... And today we are reviewing Lords of Waterdeep. Waterdeep, the city of splendors, the most resplendent jewel in the Forgotten Realms, and a den of political intrigue and shady back alley dealings. In this game, the players are powerful lords vying for control of this great city. Its treasures and resources are ripe for the taking, and that which cannot be gained through trickery and negotiation must be taken by force. Lords of Waterdeep is a strategy board game for two to five players. At the core game is there are expansions that add more players, um, but we're reviewing the core game today. You take on the role of one of the masked Lords of Waterdeep, secret rules of the city. Through your agents, you recruit adventurers and go on quests. They go on quests on your behalf, earning rewards and increasing your influence over the city. The goal of the game is to expand the city by purchasing new buildings that open up new actions on the board and hinder or help the other lords, play, other lords by playing intrigue cards to enact your carefully laid plans, gaining victory points, and becoming the lead and most dominant Lord of Waterdeep. Da-da-da. So, it's a fun game. Let's just let's lay that out right here. It's a fun game. It's less aggravating Monopoly is one way to describe it. I, I would say that, you know how we talked about StarCraft Risk chained itself to being Risk and that's what ruined it because it, it tried to be StarCraft? Yeah. This started out being Monopoly and I feel like at one point they are like, we've just made so many changes, let's remove the Monopoly and Throw make our own the, game. Yeah, yeah. The, it's got it's got like the the it's got like the um, the effervescent smell of Monopoly, but without actually being Monopoly, um, and without making you want to murder your friends and family. Uh, I swear, our grandmother is still buried in the backyard over a game of Monopoly. Anyways, it's a uh, it's a nice it's also a nice backwards look at D and D because you're you're not playing the adventurers, you're the people who hire the adventurers. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very not non standard look at the world of D and D, and especially at the world of Forgotten yeah. Realms. And, and to give a to give a quick throw, it you don't have to enjoy D and D no to like this game, which is one of the gripes I have with the game that we'll talk about later on was with the marketing. But uh, first, let's talk about. Uh, the mechanics. Let's talk about playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> so it has set up rules for two to five players, and the the game is primarily played through these tokens. These tokens called agents, um, and how many agents you get is determined at the very beginning with how many people are playing. The less players there are, the more agents you get. Two players get four, three players get three, four players and five players both get two. Um, the game is played over the course of eight rounds, and at round. four five you get an extra agent so if you started with four you get five at round five you started with three you get four etc etc um each player so is a uh each player places his or her score marker on the scoring track at the position labeled zero so the out the outside edge of the board is the scoring track and it counts up from zero to zero which is 100 if you cross it from Um, zero to zero from zero to zero from sea to shining sea. Um, from, 
There are there are various there are four specific resources in the game. Well, five specific resources in the game. There are uh, four different types of adventurers represented by colored cubes. Uh, they are rogues, fighters, clerics, and mages. Um, and then there's also gold, which are represented by single gold pieces and five gold pieces. This game is not accurate. It does not properly represent the barbarian cast of the adventuring party. <laughs> They're a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, owl bears are fighters too, apparently. Yes, Once you owl, domesticate them, owl, domesticated owl bears also fighters. Um, there is a building stack. A, there is a building stack from which you can. So you so there's a building stack. It's a stack of various alternate buildings that you can buy and build in Waterdeep. You shuffle that up at the beginning of the game. Lay out three random ones. Um, there is there are a stack of intrigue cards, which are like ready-made action cards that you can only play by going to uh, a specific point on the map, which we'll talk about later, um, that do various different effects. Some of them good, some of them bad. They're things like mandatory quests that somebody has to complete before they can complete any other ones. They're things like resource gathering cards, or you know, I get two fighters, you get one fighter, or everybody gives me a fighter. If they don't, I get victory points. Things like that. Don't um, forget, how do you get the buildings? Gold. You didn't mention gold. Yeah, I did. I mentioned gold earlier. It's, it's, it's separated by denominations of one and five. Okay, yeah, sorry. but you didn't yeah. mention that. You, I, to... you, you. I'm continuing. Yeah. Um. You buy go, You buy buildings with gold. Yeah. Um. There are and then there are quest cards, which are little things. They're 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 bonus objectives. I say bonus. They're, they're really the principal <laughs> thing, but they're still considered bonus objectives. because You don't have to complete any quests to win the game. You'd be hard pressed to. There is a lord that is specifically designed to complete the game without completing any quests. Yes. Um, by by owning all the buildings. By owning all the buildings. Hmm. Yes. Which is really interesting when you're playing yeah. against somebody who's that. got which that is, lord. Which, which is why quests are technically optional. You do not have to complete any quests to win the game. Um, but they they have various objectives. And these objectives are resource gathering. Uh, for example, you need two fighters, a cleric, and a mage to complete this quest, and your reward is four gold and ten victory points, or whatever, uh, and variations thereof. And some of them, uh, one of them, uh, recruiting the lieutenant, actually gets you an extra agent. It's a really good quest to complete, especially if you have a lord that likes warfare quests. But only really good early on, because by turn seven, it's like, yay! Yeah, but by turn seven, you've got of... an extra, yeah. Um... So you know, there's a little bit of randomization with the quests, but overall, they're still they're all fairly good. There there tends to be one really big money quest uh, in each in each type of quest, and then a lot of the lower lower money ones to go around. Um, and finally, there are victory points. Uh, the victory points are how you win the game, and they there are there there are a set number accumulated on each round. Uh, which are spread amongst the buildings that are currently in the Builder's Hall. You buy the building, you get the victory points. Um, and then, of course, you earn victory points by uh, not only by completing quests, uh, sometimes by playing intrigue cards, uh, by buying buildings, and uh, by completing certain objectives that your secret Lord of Waterdeep has. Each Lord of Waterdeep has its own objective that, at the end of the game, if you've worked towards that, gives you bonus victory points. For example... Um, I have no idea how to pronounce the paladin son's first name. Peregrine? Um, no, it's like Pergrin. 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 
Perjury? Perjuron the Paladin Son. That's how we're pronouncing it, at least. Uh, five times fast. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, his his uh, goal is, at the end of the game, you score an additional four victory points for each piety and warfare quest you complete. The quests are separated by type. There are commerce, piety, warfare, arcana... And skullduggery. And skullduggery. And, and commerce. I said commerce. Oh. I think that's it. Then there's only five. Commerce, skull... Yeah, I think it's five. Commerce, skullduggery, warfare, arcana, and piety. Yeah. And piety. Um, and each lord has, you know, each lord has different ones that they want, a different combination of those mm. that they want. And of course, there's also the lord whose name I can't think of right now, who just wants you to build buildings. And um, she gets like twenty victory points per building. She, you it's own. like six. It's six per building. Is it six? Oh, yep. her, her name is the builder. I, I like her title yeah. is the builder. I don't remember her name. How many lords are there? Uh, there are twelve, I believe, in the base game. I think because I don't believe I have ever encountered Go and count up. Uh, that uh, particular. I lore. think it's actually eight, but I will count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, eleven. Okay, ten there. combinations of two and and one other uh, and the builder. Yeah, okay, eleven. I was I was off by one. Larissa um, Nithal. Okay. Yeah, Larissa Nithal, the builder. Uh, yeah, so there are eleven. There are eleven lords of Waterdeep, and they all have different flavor and different different desires. Um, and the objective of the game is to get the most victory points. That's basically it. However, you can do that. Do it. Um, it's a though. Oh, there's also one other mechanic that I forgot to talk about: the first player token. the The object the the, the status of first player can actually shift around and matters. Uh, the way the game is played, you all start with your agents at the at the top of the round, and your agents are in your tavern, whichever faction you belong to. There are five factions. Um, what are the names of the factions? You have the uh, city guard, the harpers, the red sashes, uh, the silver stars, and the gold ones. The knights, knights of, the of the shield. Yeah. So there are the fi- there are five factions in the core game. There are more in the expansions, um, and. Each of them has a tavern where they put their quests and their goal and their adventurers. Uh, the first player goes first. And starting from them going clockwise, around, counterclockwise around the table, um, you place an agent one at a time. So if there are four of us, uh, the first player places one agent at one place on the map. The second player places one agent, third, one agent, fourth, one agent. Back to first player, places his second agent. Goes around until everybody is out of agents. And... When you place your agent, you are blocking that space off yeah, for the rest of the round. because except for two places, except for two places, two, and... One intrigue card. Yeah. What? There's one intrigue card that lets you take the places. Yeah, the except for two places, and accepting the use of one, in, uh, one intrigue card lets you double up. Um, each place that you can play, put an agent if, has as long as, as long as we're listing exceptions, there's also a quest, but... Is there also a quest? There's a quest that lets you double up. It's a oh, it's a plot quest, isn't it? Yeah, it's a plot quest. Yeah. that you double up on things. Yep, that's true. Which plot quest we'll discuss in a minute because yep. those are also plot quests we'll talk about in a minute when we get to quests. Um, so you go around, you go around placing uh, on the board, and on the board there are already several places where you can get resources. You can get two fighters, two rogues, a cleric, a mage, uh, four gold coin, um, the first player token, and an intrigue card. There are three places to get quests. There are three places to play intrigue cards. You have to go specifically to the harbor, uh, the Waterdeep Harbor, to play uh, an intrigue card. Um, and then a place to buy buildings. And as you buy buildings... It was upside down. I can't read that. 
Uh, yeah, watery purple. Oh. As you buy buildings from the Builder's Hall, you open up more places to go. Buildings have a variety of different uh, abilities that they can give you, or different places and options that they can give you. Uh, for instance, I have a book here that shows uh, there is uh, the Three Pearls. Uh, the Three Pearls uh, says on it, when you, when you place an agent here, you return two of any kind of resource, any kind of adventurer, and gain three of any kind of adventurer. So it's a, it's I a, used my massive advantage in that last game. Before. Oh yeah, no, the, the, the Three Pearls is really great. It costs four coin, it, in the upper left coin corner, it tells you how much gold it costs to buy. This one costs four gold to buy. And each building also has a owner perk. If anybody other than the owner goes to this building, then the owner gets something back. So with the Three Pearls... If the owner goes there, he just gets to recycle his, his adventurers. If anybody else goes there, the owner of this building gets two gold coin out of the deal. So there's, a, there's incentive to buy buildings, not just to get the ability to put your agent there and get really cool bonuses, but also to get something when your other players, when the, when the other players you're competing against, go there. There's a wide variety of them. Like uh, another one that we've got is the uh, the the Fetlock Court, which costs eight and gives you two fighters and a mage. Um, there's the Dragon Tower, which gives you a mage and an intrigue card. Um, most of them are variations. Variations on giving you resources. And a couple of them are really interesting. We got the Stone House. You you get a gold for each building tile in play. So it's a building for when there's lots of buildings. Yep. So the builder wants that building. The builder wants that building. How many times can you say build or building? Uh, a lot. Uh, and then there's things like the Waymoot, which is another way, which is one of the few other ways to get victory points. Uh, the Waymoot generates victory points every turn. And uh, whenever you go there, you collect the victory points that are on there and take a quest card. Which takes us to quest cards. So, like we said earlier, quests are a way to get resources. They you you pay you you pay resources that you've gathered from buildings, like two adventurers, a cleric, and a mage, and you get victory points, gold, sometimes other adventurers, and sometimes with plot quests, you get things that give you a permanent benefit. Do you have any plot quests over there? Yep. You pulled out. Hand me one of them. For instance, uh, Recover the Magister's Orb is a plot quest. It requires three rogues and two mages. It's an arcana quest, so if you have a, if you have a Lord of Wardeep that cares about arcana quests, this is good for you. When you complete it by turning in those resources, you get six, you get six victory points. And once per round, you get to assign an agent to a space containing an opponent's agent. So you get a little bit of benefit there for completing this plot quest. Um, another one, Research Chronomancy. It's another Arcana one. You get it, it costs two mages and four gold. You get four victory points, and um, you can pay, you get four victory points, a mage, and you get to return one of your assigned agents to your pool. That was not a plot quest, but it does give you a, a unique benefit. This is a representative sample. Uh, the recruit, recruit Lieutenant is a warfare quest. It costs one cleric, five fighters, a rogue, and a mage. Gives you zero victory points, but it gives you the lieutenant to add to your pool of agents. And then sometimes there's the really, really big quests. And then there's the really, really big quests. I like those. Like Alley with House Thon. Uh, it costs a cleric, three rogues, a mage, and a whopping ten gold. No, eight gold, not ten gold. I can count. 
and its reward is simply 25 victory points. So there are various different reasons why you want to complete the quests, mostly to win the game, but you know, again, depending on who you're playing, sometimes it's not important. Well, and my favorite one is the one that whenever you play an Intrigue card, you score victory points for the rest of the game. Yeah. Because Intrigue cards... Which takes us to intrigue cards. Are fun. Like we said earlier, intrigue cards are action cards that you can play when you go to when you place an agent in Waterdeep Harbor. Uh, there are three spaces in Waterdeep Harbor, so at most, if nobody else is playing intrigue cards, you can play three a turn. Um, there are things like a mandatory quest, fend off bandits. It's just like another quest, but when you give it to somebody, they have to complete this before they can complete anything else. This is a really good way to, of depleting resources that your uh, competing players have. Especially since most mandatory quests don't really have any good rewards. Yeah, no, like this one gives you two victory points, but it costs two fighters and a mage, which an equivalent an, an equivalent uh, victory point uh, reward on a regular quest would be like six victory points. Six or eight. Six, six to eight plus some more resources. Um, lack of faith. Each opponent removes a cleric from his or her tavern, which is really painful because you can only get, typically, you can only get one cleric at a time. Like, you guaranteed you can get only one cleric at a time. There are, uh, there are some buildings you can get that give you more but only through some really tricky stuff. And only the on, on the board, before buildings are put into play, only, yeah, only, only the plinth gives you a cleric. And it gives you one. And call for adventurers, which lets you take two of any any adventurer from the supply, and then each opponent gets to take one of any adventurer from the supply and place in his tavern. This one is sort of a sort of a, a, a cautious, you know, risk reward card because you get two of anything so if you just happen to need a rogue and a mage and both the rogue and mage spots are taken you can go to Waterdeep Harbor play this card and get the two that you need to complete a quest but everybody else at the table is going to be able to get what they need to complete their quests so uh, and entry cards continue on like that for a while uh, that's pretty much all the mechanics well, of the remember, game remember uh, once everyone has deployed all of their agents ah, yes. and you have people in Waterdeep Harbor, you get to move them to somewhere else. Yes, there is a reassignment phase at the end of each round. Uh, if you have anybody at Waterdeep Harbor starting from the first one to go there, they're marked one, two, three, gets to reassign, which means you take your agent from Waterdeep Harbor and place it somewhere else. Basically, it's a way to not penalize you for, for playing intrigue cards. Um, but it is still penalizing you because what that means is you only have what's left. If, if you've placed all three of your agents at Waterdeep Harbor and everybody else has been placing agents on buildings, you're not going to have a whole lot of options left. You know, you might need two fighters, but all three of the fighter places you could get stuff at are already taken. Or you might need a cleric, but the one place you can get a cleric from is already taken. Or maybe you need a quest. You've got plenty of resources, but no quests. Well, all three of the quest slots are taken. Um, and so it's playing intrigue cards by itself is a very much a risk reward uh, decision. Uh, so that's the mechanics of the game. It's it sounds a lot more complicated when you're listing out all the mechanics side by side, but once you've really played it and got into the groove of it, it's very simple. It's also fairly quick. It only lasts eight rounds. It's like it's designed to it's designed in such a way as opposed to Monopoly to not go on forever. The difference being eight rounds can last a variable amount of time depending on how much your players are talking and how long they take to deliberate their moves. Yeah, but it will eventually end. Yeah, there, you have, you have a set, you have a set end point with Lords of Waterdeep. You have eight turns to do what yep. you need. And it, what it took... It, I can't see it taking more than 90 minutes to play unless you're really just... Like, we played a game in jab. 45 minutes. And then we've also played games in two hours. Yeah. Um, depending so, on how much... 
you know, cut and talk Still you're doing. Still faster yeah. than Monopoly. Still faster than Monopoly, yes. And faster than Risk. Uh, these are both Depends points in its on which version. Depends on which version of Risk, fair. Um, the good version of Risk. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. So let's go around uh, talking about our various experiences with it. And I'll start with Holly. Um, I really like this game. I played it several times. I It makes me think, which is something I really like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to... Of course, it's very tough for me because I'm, like earlier, going up against units and shadow cores who are very good at strategic thinking. Very good at strategery. <laughs> that. We are grand strategists. Grand strategists. They kind of go after each other a lot. Yep. Um, I... Like you were saying, there's so many different components to it, mm-hmm. but once you pick up on it, it really isn't yeah. th- that difficult. Like, like the first time when, when we played, um, we'd played earlier. I that one was a little rush. I got a little confused because I couldn't remember all the rules. But like today, once I just picked on up on it right away. Yeah, it's not a complex game. It, it, it's a game that looks and complex there... without being complex. Yeah. It sounds like it would be complex. Because there are a lot of different things that you can do in the game. And basically what I found is you need to pick just one or two of the things to stick with. Yeah. My first impression of this game was very odd. Because I was assuming, based on the name of the game and the artwork and the titles and everything, that it would have something to do with Dungeons and Dragons and really... It's a great game. The only thing it shares with Dungeons and Dragons is the universe. Oh, it says Dungeons and Dragons on the box. Yeah, I it never does. even saw that. <clears throat> like this this could honestly be this this could honestly be a business tycoon game if you just change the names of the resources yeah. and the flavor of the cards. It it it, it feels like one of those Hi, here's Doctor Who Monopoly, where it plays Monopoly, but everything's named after Doctor Who characters. Yeah. Um, And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it creates a very odd first impression, because um, especially when when I first played it, we were playing with John's uh, wife, who is not big into D&D or that sort of thing, and I was a bit surprised. I'm like, really? And then I learned, oh, wait. (laughs) <laughs> it's because this game has nothing, nothing to do with D and D. It's all flavor. It's just a strategy <laughs> game. Um, that aside, I love it. I think they 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 took the idea of you know building a financial empire that Monopoly started, and they're like, we're going to make this a finite game. It ends in eight rounds, no matter what. We're going to make the points more definitive, and we're going to make it. Th- there is not chance in this. There's not a significant amount of chance in this game. There's no dice rolling. Mm-hmm. You place your agents, you get resources. You can take. There is some risk. There's a lot of risk reward. Um, you know, the, there, there are cards that are that are random, but you still pick from four quests. All, all the all the chance is mitigated. Yeah, because you there are always multiple ways of achieving the same goal, mm-hmm. and there are multiple ways of of there are multiple different ways of winning yeah. the game. Like we were talking about earlier, you can win the game without playing a single quest or a single intrigue card. Yeah, 
Most most of the risk reward is how well you're reading your opponents. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and, and there's times it's like, oh, well, I don't have any of the intrigue cards. Like the last time we when we played last time, uh, no mandatory quests popped up, which made the game very different, but it didn't make it bad different. You just had to play around. Well, I don't have any of these in my hand. Yeah. Well, I had a few, but I didn't use them because it was on like the last turn, yeah. and it just didn't seem like it make a difference. And so, and so the game plays very differently because there's there's that randomness, but it's not the sort of monopoly. Well, I don't know if I'm going to land on Boardwalk or not and lose the game instantly. Yeah. Um, I played Lords of Waterdeep a lot, so coming at this from a from a uh, first impressions perspective uh, won't really help me a lot. So, I like I like I do with other games that I played a lot from a material standpoint. Um, I really enjoy the materials of this game. Uh, they're really well. They're really good quality. I have one irk with the materials, which is the cards. They're they're really high quality cards, and this is not an irk that everyone that everyone else will have. But they rub me the wrong way. It's I love the ridges. The cards. It's the ridges. Yeah, the it's... the ridges on the cards bother me because it feels like velvet. I love the ridges, and the cards shuffle great, and they're nice. Yeah. So what he, what he's talking about is these these they're, they're cardboard card they're cardboard cards. Um, but if you look very closely, they've got sort of a hatch a hatch mark ridging on them, uh, which make them very easy to hold. They don't slip in your grip. Uh, if you're sweating, it doesn't affect them. Um, they're very easy to shuffle. They're very reliable and resilient. Um, but they do have an, an odd texture if you're not used when, to it. When you've got strong tactile senses like I do, you can feel those ridges on your finger, and they feel like velvet to me. Yeah. One thing that got me is, they, at least the ones I had, kind of looked like they were bent mm-hmm. a little the, bit. Oh, like cards all bend of like them. Well, but yeah, And I was afraid that I was... Breaking your game. No, they, 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 I, they're all bent. Okay. But like, aside from the cards, the the cardboard that they use, pretty high quality. Most of the pieces, they'll 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 last for a good while. They they don't break easy. The agents, I I love the they they didn't use just like your standard meeples. They have their own unique design, and I really enjoy the agents. And your player cards, which are your guild, the guild that you're associated with. There, remember, I've said previously that I really enjoy redundant instructions. Where they where they tell you what you need to do, and the, the the guild cards have a nice spot for putting your agents down, have a spot for putting your active quests, your plot quests that you've completed, and your regular completed quests, and, and your lord put your lord here. And they also have a spot for putting your build your builder tokens. Yep, and your resources. Yep, because your builder token it actually has the builder token represented on as a seal on the on the card. And you can choose to use these or you can choose not to, but like I, I really do love redundant information and redundant reminders that tell you how to organize your stuff to make everything look nice and neat. Also, um, adding on to that, the artwork is gorgeous. Yes, the artwork in this game is gorgeous. My one irk with the gameplay is that the game feels like it's going until the last two turns. In the last two turns, there like you'll hit you'll hit a point where it's like, well, considering this is the last turn, the last two turns, there's no way I can get enough resources to finish this quest. There's like there's no there's no point in taking this because I can't do anything with it unless I'm spiting my opponent to stop them from getting it. Well, you say that, but the last time we played, when I played, I I had an almost come from behind victory the very last like last two turns. And that's true, but like and then the you, only thing that stopped me from winning was Austin blocking me from one resource. But if you're but if you're in like turn six, or if you're in like turn seven and eight, and one of the twenty five point quests comes up and you don't have 
20 resources to fulfill it with. Yeah. It's like, like, that's a dead card. Well, it's not a dead card because somebody else might, and you're like, well, that's, do, that's do I thing. take the quest from them to prevent them, or do I take quests that I could feasibly do? That, that's where the... That, that's still a thing. Like, I definitely, I did that to you in the pre, in the last game because I saw you had a bunch of pieces, and I'm like, I'm not letting you have this just so you can't get a big lead. But at the same time, there's definitely... It's dead to you, but not dead to him. Yeah, there, there's, there's, def, there's definitely a point of... My my options to do anything are definitely getting very limited by the last two turns, and I think that's a design choice. Um, I, I feel like I can see how that can be. I can see how that can be frustrating. I personally find the last two turns to have just as much strategy as the rest. It's just a very different, different strategy. It's not build an empire. It's sustain, sustain, or it's efficiency. What can I do? How many quests? How many small quests can I hammer out? And I think, what can I block? And I think that's I think that's the correct phrase. It's not like Monopoly, where Monopoly is a money building game. This is an empire running game. Yeah. It's not about it's it's you the first two turns you're building your empire. The remainder you're sustaining your empire. And the last two turns you are hampering your your opponent's empire. Um, it's definitely it's more of like an empire management game than a monopoly money money building game. Um, and again, it is like so. This is this is now my first impressions of the game. I love the I love the strategy of the game. I love like I said it previously. I love multi layered and multi optional strategies where I can I can go in with a solid clear goal for me, and then while I'm approaching that goal. I can branch off to mess with other people's things. Like I did previously, you can plan. This is one of the very few games where you can plan for a come-from-behind victory. Very few games allow for that. And if it hadn't been for one move, one very chess-like move, if Austin simply hadn't seen the resources and the quests that I had lining up, if he'd been focusing on anybody else then I would have been able to very cleanly orchestrate not just a come-from-behind victory, but a come-from-behind at 15. I went from 15 victory points to 75 victory points in one turn and could have gotten more if it hadn't been for that one placement. Um, so Which is why you have to watch yeah, the player in last place. It's a very multi-level, multi-tier strategy, but it doesn't have to be. Like I said earlier, there are many different ways to get to the same goal, and there are many different levels of strategy embedded in the game just by the way it goes around. The first player token becomes a very real thing, especially when you have the ambassador on the field. The first Um, player token becomes a very real thing in a three-player game. Oh, yeah. Like, the ambassador is one of the buildings that you can build is an ambassadorial hall. And if you play an agent there, you get the ambassador, which is an extra agent. And while you're technically blocking off the agent, uh, you know, giving an agent to get an agent, so it kind of has a little bit of weirdness to it, there's still value in having that ambassador. And the ambassador goes... Doesn't the ambassador go first? The ambassador goes first always. Yes, even if it's not your turn. Even if it's not your first turn. So there's there's value in sort of... As the first player getting that ambassador, because then next turn before anybody can take it, you get to place it. Um, and then you can maintain that first player edge, uh, which was something that I've done in previous games where the ambassador was out on the field and I was player one. And I was using I was using my status as player one to get the ambassador, then using the ambassador to keep player one. 
And so it it was sort of occupying the ambassador's time, but it was giving me a definitive advantage because I had mm-hmm. full reign of the board as I wanted it. Um, and I was able to fully manipulate the quests, fully manipulate the resources to my advantage for the entirety of the game. That's just one example of a strategy. Another strategy is that you completely ignore that and go for something, you know, you go for three different things. And there are easy strategies, there are difficult strategies, there are odd strategies. I don't think we've, I don't think we've come across all of the various strategies that you can try in oh, no. this. Um, and it's got that depth that I just love. So let's talk about negative aspects of it. Things we don't like so much. Again, starting with Holly. Um, I was, I think, especially towards the end of the game, I was getting very overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by all the different components. That, yes, it was easy for me to pick up on it, but it got to the point that, you know, I'm trying to get all the quests done, and then I didn't pay any attention to the buildings at all, and then I completely forgot about the the first player token Mm -hmm. altogether, and it just, I think um, the other time we played it, it happened too. It became very overwhelming for me. It's that easy easy to learn, hard to master to the umpteenth degree. Yes, like, and I thought I was doing a lot of quests, and then William did like two or three more quests than I did. And then I did three more than he did. Oh, you need one more than I did. Uh, yeah. I had ten, you had eleven. No, so I had twelve. I don't oh, I did two more than you did. Yeah. I'm... It was crazy. Yeah, and I just have to continue playing this yeah, to... You sort of got to, focused to come down. up with it, yeah. Yep. Um, one of my biggest gripes with the game is the buildings. Um... In particular, that three pearl hall is a really powerful building um, because it's trade trade any two for any three, which doesn't seem super powerful until you realize, at, in general, two fighters or two rogues are worth one cleric or mage by most standards. You can get two for one. And you can turn them into it's three. Like you can turn two rogues into three priests. Yeah. And the owner of it gets two coins uh, whenever someone else lands on it. They don't even get, like, if it was you get one, really, of any resource. Like, if you get one mage or one priest or one rogue or one fighter. It's very unevenly balanced yeah. towards the people that land on it as opposed to the person yeah. that and, and, and I feel like there's a lot of buildings that buying the building puts you at a disadvantage if you can't consistently land on it. And that's another place where the ambassador comes in because yeah. with the ambassador you can buy a building that immediately land on. But it. that's only if the ambassador shows up in this yeah. massive stack of buildings. Lots of buildings. Um, and so, unless it, unless you can be like, I guarantee I'm going first, or this this is the building that I specifically want. I, I bought the three pearl building and it just helped William. And you never it. used it. I, yeah, I, I I nailed it every time I could get there because I was trading two fighters for three clerics so I could finish my quests. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of the buildings, it's just the, it, it helps other, it helps everybody and the benefit you get is generally not as significant with, with some of them. Sometimes on the other hand, there was one I picked up that was whoever lands on it gets two fighters and a mage and then I get either a fighter or a mage when someone else lands on it. It's yeah. like, I'm building up mages casually. And that was really helpful. Yeah. Um, I definitely mentioned that my, 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 my most significant complaint with the game is the, the last level slowdown. 
which for some people is intentional. For some people, they enjoy it. For me, it it feels like I'm running out of steam, and that's not something I really enjoy in in a, in a game. I definitely like to to barrel forward until I've reached my goal. Um, uh, which is it's a playstyle difference, but that is my that is my personal issue. Still, still about. Um, other than that, I've mentioned my gripe with the texture of the cards, but that's a tactile thing. Mm-hmm. Not a, most people won't have that. Um, my biggest issue is probably similar to one of one of Austin's. It's not my biggest issue, but it is, it is an issue that when I first heard about Lords of Waterdeep, I was thinking in a Dungeons and Dragons mindset. Yeah, because they they heavily marketed it as a Dungeons and Dragons product. It's all over the box. It's all over the universe, and they did do a good job of tying it to the flavor of Waterdeep specifically. Um, but at the same time, this has nothing to do with playing a traditional game of Dungeons and Dragons. It is practically the inverse. Yeah, especially where on the rulebook for Lords of Waterdeep, at the top it says Lords of Waterdeep board game. At the bottom it says Dungeons and Dragons rulebook. Which can be kind of confusing. <laughs> That's not the Dungeons and Dragons rulebook. It's book. not the Dungeons and Dragons Also, rulebook. there's lots of pictures of like drow and paladins and warriors and you're running an empire not actually <laughs> playing a Again, the art is really good the, the art is it, it, it's, art, it's delightful I mean of course the best quest in the game you're domesticating owlbears yeah domesticating owlbears um, so with me all of my grants with the game come down to my favorite thing about the game strategies because there are so many strategies that you can employ, there's always going to be one that basically gives you a feel bad. There's always going to be a situation where somebody else's strategy outthinks yours because you just weren't thinking on that same directional path as they were. And that point where you are at 125 points and the person with five suddenly has 200. Where the fuck did that come from? You know, like uh, on turn eight, somebody completes 15 quests that just that by itself, while incredible for the person that pulled it off, for everybody else that spent all eight rounds fighting for every resource and completing every quest they can and grasping and clawing for every little bit of advantage to suddenly see all that hard work gone. Mm -hmm. Very frustrating. Very much a feel bad. Well, and sometimes you don't know the winner of the game until after turn eight, when it's yeah. like, "Oh, I reveal my lord," and oh. my lord gets plus six for my my lord gets plus four for every one of these quests. Let's look at the twenty five six victory point quests that I completed. Oh, look, boom, 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 boom. That's a hundred extra points, <laughs> you know, just by itself. And all of a sudden, again, you know, you go from fifty to one hundred and fifty completely skipping past everybody else in front of you. I dig that. That's actually one of my favorite like, things. It's, it's fun. It's, it, and that's, 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 probably, that's why I like it and, and don't like it. Yeah. It's fun for you if you do it, but if you're on the receiving end of that boot, it's not fun anymore. Well, I mean, and, and there's, a, there's, there's an element of control. When you were doing it that one time, yeah. and I was like, wait a second, there's no way that John is back there because he's a bad player because he knows how to play this game. <laughs> Let me look at his... Qu- oh, no. You do not get that, sir. No. Yeah, no, no, but no. if you hadn't been paying attention. Exactly. Well, then that'd be my fault. For not if I had attention. succeeded in my distraction... Because the whole time I was there, I was like sort of half paying attention to the game and talking about how I was going to lose because I was half paying attention to the game and everybody was buying it except for Austin. Um, 
I know you pay attention to multiple things at once. (laughs) There's that element of player manipulation, which I'm really good at normally. That's also another one of those, like, this is also another player difference, because I appreciate a grand strategy no matter who's pulling it off. If someone comes from behind and beats me by a significant amount... Fair play, like, and like the, applause again, to you. Again, it's 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 conflicting for me because it's something I really like and don't like. Because as much as I love pulling that off, I also don't like other people having that feel bad moment. Yeah, I don't like stomping somebody's effort into the dirt. I really don't. As much as I do it, I don't like it. Um, and if they, I don't know, and that's not even something I think you could fix. That's no. just a. That's it's, just, it's part of the nature of the game. It's part of the nature of the game, and it's and it's it's a very good part. It's a good part of the game, whose outcomes I don't like. Um, so, what would we do to make it better? Like, if you were if you were to if you were to be on the ground floor of the design team of this game, what would be one thing, one thing, Shadow Chorus, that you would do to make it better? I don't know why you pointed at me. <laughs> Can you come back to me? I, I okay. just want to think on that. Um, there, there's lots of little tweaks, but if there was one thing, I would make it so that when you buy a building, you immediately get the effect of that building. That way you don't feel like you're wasting your time. That way you don't time. feel like you're wasting your time, because it, it doesn't just cost you money, which is a resource. It takes your turn. Yeah. You don't get to reassign or anything. If you could be like, I buy this building, and oh, my token is moved to that building. It also stops. It also stops you from blocking other people from buying buildings. That's a big thing. Is like over the course of the game, you'll only buy eight buildings. Yeah. Normally, and that's because there's only eight rounds, and once one person goes to that building block, that's it. Which is odd to me because there are more than eight spaces for buildings yeah. on the board. I, I really feel like if you moved your token to the building you just bought with the. I believe it's ten building spaces. Looking at the board. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, ten building spaces. And I'm sure you could just slide more along the side of the board. But I think that's also because there are two things that let you take the building spot. Oh yeah, there's two things that let you get a building for free. Yeah, that let you get it or get a building for free or let you assign where there's already another agent. Yeah. And so there you could feasibly get ten buildings in, in, a, in a thing, but normally you're only gonna get eight. At most. And not even typically you don't even get that because not everybody buys a building every turn. No, be- because it's not there's not enough benefit. And yeah. the other thing would be to balance the owner reward for in buildings. Fact, in fact, the game actively rewards you for waiting to buy buildings. Yeah. Because it constantly puts victory points on the building. The, the other thing you could possibly do with the buildings is... I, I, it's, it's, the same, the building, it's the yeah, same, same thing. Same thing. Um, is maybe if you got your owner perk even for going to your own building. Yeah. That might be a little overpowered given how some of the owner if you toned yeah, back the owner overpowered. if you toned back the owner perks, like maybe to like the two gold type level. I don't I, I don't think you should get it for going there. Yeah. I, I think that's not, I think that's something to benefit you when somebody else goes yeah. there, but I do agree that maybe immediately buy and then move to it. Yeah. Would be a, Regardless, some a something thing. to fix the buying a building and then everyone else using it. Yeah. Um well the one thing that I would change is as as backwards as it might sound from my opinion on many other games is to eliminate a, a, a little bit more action in in, in this is very armchair general kind of game um, the ability to interact more with your opponents uh, to eliminate some of that hidden information like for instance the ability an intrigue card that lets you look at an opponent's lord so you know for certain what they're trying to do 
Um, because that times like if you're playing, there is one. If you're, I have I've nope. never, I've is never seen it. Um, like if you're playing the builder, you could be going for a bunch of arcana quests, and someone might think you're the black staff, but you could be the builder. <laughs> it's yeah. like I'm gonna get buildings on the side, and no one's gonna question it because I'm getting these arcana quests. They think I'm the black staff. Yeah. Um, and so stuff like that, like the the ability to take some of that hidden information or to interact more with your opponents, uh, definitely like. Like, if I had to say one thing, something that lets you look at your opponent's lord. Yep. So you can get more information on them. Um, I can't... I, I'm sorry, I can't think of anything specifically for it. Um, just, it, if there was a way... Cause it just... It seems to end so abruptly. Mm-hmm. If there was differentiation the, in the turns? Yes. If, I mean, it feels like last turn, oh shoot, I can't get this done, I can't get this done, you know, someone has already taken the rose, I can't do that. I, I, I don't know, I'm sorry, I don't know what That's I'm saying. That's all right, saying. that's fine. Just something to make that last turn a little more palatable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, like kind of like what what Shadow Course was saying earlier about how the the last turn it feels like everything grinds to a halt on turn eight mm-hmm. if you're not in a position where you can make advantage of blocking somebody else's strategy or completing the last couple of quests or doing the compromise victory it it can sometimes feel like it's just I'm done yes that's yeah that's why I felt like yeah so something something to combat that I I'm this close to my master plan oh wait it's turn eight it's just like if the lords maybe that happened had, to me this time. <laughs> Like if the lords maybe had a one-time action that they could do. Yeah, that Like on that turn eight, work. you reveal your lord and wham. Yeah, like reveal my lord and instantly get a fighter and a cleric. So you can potentially complete one more quest. Some, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, you could potentially fire that off earlier in the turn so people know what you're going for and they can block you off, but you get that bonus earlier. Yeah, that, that, that'd be a, that, add, that would add another layer of strategy to it while also making that something you can do in that last turn. It's like, when do I fire off my lord? Yeah. Do I fire earlier or do I wait till the last turn? And then maybe a reward for never firing it off. Yeah, maybe. That way you still have that incentive to never reveal it. Yeah. Um, for me, it's actually to deal with the marketing. Um, Goodness, yes. The, uh, we've the, all mentioned this. The, we've all mentioned it, but I would definitely, it. I would, I would push more that it's a board game, less that it's a D and D property. Less. Still keep that it's a D and I think, I think that's a D and D property is still important. I think that it is that it is the Lords of Waterdeep is still very important, still very relevant, still very crucial to its marketing campaign. But I think. When you held that rulebook up... Covering up the Dungeons & Dragons rulebook portion of it? No, when you held that up, though... It looks like a module for D&D. Well, there, let me, it let does. me show you. It looks do, like... do you read the word board game on here? It's in tiny no, font no. right under the massive... I read Lords, Lords of Waterdeep. Waterdeep. And then Epic Dunge- Heroes. And Dungeons & Dragons at the bottom. I feel like an idiot because I honestly haven't noticed any of this. Yeah. Until now. I mean, it, it, you know, it's I'm supplemental so... marketing. It's how it works. You don't notice it unless you're looking for it. Board game. Yeah, <laughs> like like emphasizing water deep. emphasizing board more game. that it's a board game, emphasizing more that it's a strategy game than that it's a Dungeons and Dragons property. Because there's a Pathfinder game that's very much like playing D and D or Pathfinder, like it's and it's a board game, card game. Like it's it's very similar setup and material to this, 
But you're actually playing the adventuring party. Yeah, you're actually playing the adventuring party, not the lords. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's mostly it's mostly it's a marketing thing for me. It, it, it leaned too heavily on that it was a Dungeons and Dragons property, and thus undersold how fun this game actually is on its own. Like this is a really good game, and it's a really good game for Does people. Does Blackstaff have a loot? What? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the artwork, <laughs> and the Blackstaff has a loot on his back. So random. Okay, <laughs> Bards cast magic, dude. He's a wizard. No, that's that's a house. Is that okay? That, that is a house, not a loot. That's a house. Is that a loot? That's a house. It looks like the neck of a loot. Anyways, um, <laughs> can I see it? So we. Uh, like because it connects, with, it, it connects with the bandolier on his shoulder. Anyways. Anyway, um. but yeah, like th- this game is such a good game. It's it's such a good game for people that really like D anD D and want to play something different, Where's but still have house? that, still have that recognizable, that had that oh. still have that recognizable thematic impact. And it's also really good for people who might not be into D anD D, but but appreciate lore and appreciate good artwork and feel like, well, look, this is all part of D anD D. Look at this. It's not a and d game, but it, you know, it might get you interested in playing it. Um, it could be a very good gateway game. It's not because of that. Because, because of, the of the marketing. It's not. Because if you're not interested in Dungeons & Dragons, you're not going to want to play it because it looks like a Dungeons & Dragons game. Um, and it's even got an advertisement for D&D encounters in the lid. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, I, I, would, I would veer heavily away from the marketing of D&D. Now, let's talk about the materials. Because we touched on a little bit. And there was something you wanted to talk about. My favorite thing, and this Mm. seems silly, but all the cards and all the tokens have a little slant. And if you push them down, the (laughs) deck pops up. I know, right? So you're not digging. (laughs) It's like, oh, I push down and it pops up and it just slides right out. I have dug so many cards and bent so many cards, digging them out of two small things. And push, lift. You can't see this. And I'm an idiot, and I'm it's a okay. geek, and I it's don't okay. care. It's amazing. Yeah, so no, that's, what, that's what one of my favorite things about this box. What he's is trying you can get it out without he, having to bend yeah, it. Yeah, what he's trying to explain here is that the the, the locations for all the materials in the box are very ergonomically designed. They have a fulcrum in the center, and yeah, the the card the card slots have a fulcrum in the center, so that if you push on the left or right side, the other side will pop up, so you can reach underneath with your fingers and pull them out. You can have big fat sausage fingers like mine and still pull them out. Every one of us has has played a board and card game where you've had to like try and bend the plastic out of the way to pull the cards or out and bend them while you're trying you, to do it. You've turned the game upside down and just dumped it, it because you got sick of it. Even like even even the little the little round chits that you use to mark your progress, they're in a little they're in a they're in a perfectly like a bowl, uh, a bowl divot. So, when you, so push you push down, down on one side, the other side comes up. I was playing with that earlier. It's really it's a lot easy of fun. to get it's really easy to take the pieces out of this the game. The only thing that is not easy to get out and get back in is the gold and the victory points. <laughs> well they have this little round thing for fingers. They do. But they have to be put in so precisely and if they're not, they fly everywhere. I was trying to put it in, and it kept just scattering yeah, we, we, everywhere. I have more than one. I have more than once tried to put in a stack of gold and send it flying by squeezing too hard. Um, but but oh my goodness, why don't more games? That like I, sold right there, sold done. Uh, we were talking earlier. the The quality of the the quality of the cardboard everywhere is 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 fantastic. Um, I, the the quality of the building tiles is very similar to the quality of the of the floor tiles in Betrayal. 
um, which I really like. It's a nice, solid Ex- thing. Except that you can see the pop-out points on yeah. the, the there's little cardboard dips where you can see the pop-out points, and it's a it's a minor complaint, but it's that that's what happens when everything's popped out of a mold. Though. It's popped out, not die cut. Yeah, and that's 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 the difference. Yep, and it's on every little thing. I also like uh, uh, economically. I like what they did with the adventurers. They're just little square cubes. Little and in cubes. between turns, you can build towers. Yep, you can build towers with them. <laughs> they're, easy, they're, easy, they're, they're easily recognizable immediately. Uh, they look like D6s. Um, they are color-coded, distinct colors from one another. The rogues are black, the fighters are orange, the mages are purple, and the clerics are white. Um, none of them are the same color as your player agent tokens, so you'll never get them confused. Um, like it's a good thing because they made the red sashes red as they should be. They made the fighters red as you might think a fighter might be, with the exception of the city guard. But they're really more gray than black, anyways. Yeah, they're not quite the same color black. Um, well, I will say that the the meeples and the little squares look out of place with every other element of design though they do because just because everything else is a is a, it's a it's a work of art an artistic thing and then you've got a meeple yeah you have a meeple it's a it's a weirdly shaped meeple but it's basically it's a meeple, meeple. It, it's it's a tall skinny meeple yeah the, 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 the wooden pieces are very out of design for the cardboard pieces because they are and and, and they're out of design weird. on the board which the board is very artistic and things go here and cardboard chits wizards 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 put pulled all the stop all the stops out for uh, for the, the art. art, and then left the stops Which in for I, the pieces. I think is reasonable because that this is what kept the price of the game down. It's true. It's true because like, of all that. You, art. you couldn't do miniatures, but if these little seals, these little hundred victory seals, represented your agents or something, that would be much more consistent. If if it was a cardboard chit. It would be more consistent. Yeah. I don't know if it would be better, but it'd be. It, it's just one of those things where all, looking at a full board, or you know, looking at I've got the money is beautiful. The, you know the, the issue, and then, the, and then I've got little square cubes. Yeah. The one issue, the one issue with making everything these cardboard these cardboard chits is they would blend in. If, together. You, if you have all if all of them are cardboard chits, you mix them up. Yeah. That's a fair point, and also there's a sort of tactile about having a piece of wood. Oh no, I, 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 and I don't disagree. I'm not saying it would be better to not have it. I'm just saying it. It would be more in theme. It's an odd design choice. Yeah, and I get why they did it, and I can't disagree with them. Also, the box. Can we talk about the box for a minute? Oh yes, the box looks really cool until you really think about it. <laughs> the box, again, artistically very well designed. Uh, they've made a a definitive choice. They the glued lid. a lid to the bottom. They glued a lid to the bottom. Um, you can't take the lid on the bottom. Oh, off. that's not a lid. No, it's not a lid. You can't, can't take, take it, it off. That's right. The lid's right there. The uh, the the box is uh, indented from the lid, so the lid is definitively larger than the box itself, which makes it really easy to put on and really easy to take. Also, off. makes it look really nice because when you hold it inside, it looks like an ancient tome with like the little indention where things might go inside. But the bottom lid doesn't come off. And the bottom was the same size as the top lid. It's also which, got Dwarvish written on the side that I really wish I knew how to translate. It does. Uh, which means that if you try to put, like everybody tries to do, if you try to put the box inside the top lid to keep everything nice and neat, you can't. Because the bottom already, lid is the same size as the top lid. And they've already glued it on. <laughs> Don't stack. 
They don't stack. And that that's a very, very, very minor nitpick, but a nitpick it is. And it will aggravate you. <laughs> it was aggravating John right before this podcast. Yeah, I was trying to put it in the lid, and I know it doesn't fit in the lid, but I was still trying <laughs> to put like, it in the lid. This should work. This has oh, been ingrained yeah. to me as a board game player. Anybody else have a have a have a statement regarding? I made the, towers. Uh, I see that you made twin towers, and then an airplane came along. Too um. soon. <laughs> Bad taste. It's been fourteen, Bad taste, fifteen sir. years. Um, one thing for me was um, these. Uh, what are these called? The, the player cards. Player cards. I guess I don't know what you call them. Um, player mats. Player mats. Yeah. Like the one that I had. I think it is beautiful, and in fact, I was so transfixed with how beautiful I thought this was, I didn't put anything on it until <laughs> William had to tell me that, wait, all of this goes here, and I'm just, I didn't want to put anything on it, because I thought it was gorgeous. It's another one of those, can't see the forest for the trees thing, because on the, on the player mat says this big thing in bold letters, it says, completed quests, place face down. And I don't know what you're talking about. Albeit in smaller letters, but still bold on the left, active quests on the right. I see a beautiful landscape. I don't see what you're talking about. Please place face down under the player mat. Why isn't there a slot for gold? (laughs) Goes in the tavern with all your resources. All your resources go in the tavern. It's just. It seems odd. Where do it that be- is not a tavern. I mean, it's not, but it says tavern. <laughs> that is not a tavern. That, that beautiful scenic I... mountain shot is indeed a tavern, actually. No, it's not. And I did you see even... the little dwarf getting drunk right there? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a magnificent beard. The most magnificent. The beard. most magnificent beard. I didn't even see this little thing that said tavern. I... A beard so magnificent, I forgot the drinks. <laughs> I, I feel like it's one of those times where they they just they put more artwork and they just shoved artwork everywhere they could in this game. And sometimes it's like I'm just gonna cover this with yeah, cubes. Why am I covering this artwork? In fact, up? it looks silly because now I've got this artwork and it's covered in orange cubes. No, <laughs> I don't want to put towers on just, my artwork. Yeah. It looks kind of dumb. It uh, it's, it's, it's it is kind of silly. So, right. so, so that's the materials. Uh, it's still really good. Like the the gold pieces are really good. All of it's really beautiful, except for the wood. Um, Ironically, the the real wood. Yeah, the real wood is the least attractive part of the game. But again, like the, but it's if, the most if, fun. If they made it, if they made it more extravagant or more or more, it would cost you, more. It would, yeah, it would cost more. Money. Yeah, no, no. I and don't. as it stands, it costs a good amount. Uh, this is a you know, this is not a. Is it a forty dollar game or a fifty? Uh, it's a fifty dollar game. It's like, that may have been why they were marketing it to the Dungeons and Dragons crowd, which is mostly yeah. It's the cost of a D and D rulebook, um, so it, it. But I mean, it does come with a lot. It comes with you know, uh, 121 intrigue quest and roll cards, uh, 130 wooden cubes, pawns. I will say, wooden player markers. There's a lot of there's cards. a lot of stuff. There's a lot of replay value because the, there's so many different. Quest quests. cards, intrigue cards, Although, building cards. That last game, I was clear, I was clearing the quest board so much, we almost got through all the quests. We did nice. get through all the quests. We did. We had to reshuffle at the end. Oh yeah, it's a really good game, and I'm glad we played it. It's a lot of fun. So, final scores. Uh, I give it an A plus. A plus. Yes. Really solid, perfect game for you. Okay, an A. Yeah. an A. Remember what the A plus stands for. <laughs> All right, an A. An A. I I really enjoyed it, and I want to continue playing it. Yeah, good. Um, I'm actually going to give it a B minus. Yeah. I really like 
the idea. I love I love playing the game, but there are there there's nothing big that I can say I don't want to give this game a higher score for. It's all the little things. It's the the scorekeeping method is a bit awkward with counting out the things that if you get off on your score, oftentimes it's like, oh shoot, what was I getting score from here and there? It's um the the there there is some amount of chance from the cards. Um the intrigue cards feel really repetitive. Um the the random wooden meeples are a little silly. They're adorable. They're adorable. Stop um, hating on the wood pieces. I'm sorry. It's it's it's, it's a, just in Austin hates wood. Yep. That, that's it. I hate wood. Wood is my secret nemesis. John, I'm gonna hurt you. Phrasing. <laughs> um anyway. Oh, it's a B minus because it's a game I enjoy playing, and I will, and, and I, I'm glad to play it when it's there. But it's not going to be a. We should get together and play Lords of Waterdeep specifically. Yeah. You've said that before. Well, after we first played it. Okay. That's, that's, it's that's, one of the things that as I've played it more, my desire to play it as more you play has it more. Than okay. All right. I'm like yeah. because you've said that that's many that's, times that, before. That's fair. Um, I, I I definitely will give it an A minus because it's a really fun game. It's a really great game. I would really enjoy grinding games out of it. I can't grind out games of this. The games take a long time and they do slow down at the end. I'm very much a let's play a game and have fun. Keep playing the game until we're all tired and we want to stop. Yeah. For me, this game takes a, takes a lot of time. You can't really keep slamming games down from it. Mm. So. For me, my definition of an A is a game that I always want to play. Yes. If there's an option to play it, I will be playing it. Uh, my definition of a B is a game that I would like to play. I would like to play more if there's time and if we want, and if there's enough people that want to. Yeah. But I don't have to play it. Like, like it, it's really fun, but I don't have to play and it. And then that's where I put it with my B. A C is a game that I will play if other people want to play it, but I'm not enthusiastic about playing it. A D is a game I will suffer through uh, for the sake of others' enjoyment, but I will not be happy while doing it. And then an F is one that I simply will not play. Um, this falls right between A and B for me. Like, it's B plus, A minus, I'm going to say B plus, erring on the side of caution. Um, it is a game that I absolutely love to play and love to play more. But if I go for three or four months without playing it, I don't suddenly go, oh, man, I miss playing that game. Yeah. Like, like it's not a... We're very much in the same spot here. Yeah. It's like, it's like I really enjoy playing this game. It's a lot of fun. I'd like to play it more. I enjoy it every time I play it. But if I don't play it for a while, I don't miss it. You, you, you have no desire to seek it out and, and, and be like... Actively, I need, yeah. It's not like I'm at work, man, I really want to play Lords of Waterdeep right now. It's, you look for yourself, oh, Lords of Water, that'd be fun to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like with Red Dragon Inn, I gave that an A. Because in the back of my mind, there's always this impulse to play oh, some yeah. Red Dragon Inn. Yeah. Or like D&D, yeah. for me. Like, I, I, always, I always want to play some D&D. I always want to play some D&D. If we could do that every day a week. Well, then people need to start donating more to our Patreon uh, fund. Speaking of which, if you enjoyed this review. <laughs> <laughs> Sales pitch. So, so yeah, so we've got... So we've got Actually, it was pretty even spread. We got a B, uh, a B. We got two Bs and two As. Yeah, two Bs, two As. What was your B minus? Mine was a B minus, just because it's 
whenever I play it, I enjoy playing it, and I remember why it's been a while since I've played it. Yeah, so B, B minus, B plus, A minus, A. Um, good even spread. I, definitely worth... It's worth the ticket price, at least for once. Um, if, if you know... That's, that's if, the other thing. I would not pay $50 for this game. I think that's why it's the B minus. Yeah, that's fair. That's oh. fair. It's, it's a game I'm glad my friend owns. Yeah, like, like if it's a game you have a friend that owns, try it. If you like it, I'd buy it. If you find I it used on it. eBay for $30. I absolutely. did buy it. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's a good game. We all enjoy it. Uh, yeah. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please feel free to follow us here at sinsaki.podbee.com. You can also find us on iTunes now. And I'm looking at getting us on Stitcher. Uh, I'm looking at... I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it later, but I'm looking to get all the podcasts split apart. Um... You can also find everything else that we do on our website at financialfilms.com. And if you'd like to support us, remember, for less than the price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks, you can support us in making content at our Patreon, patreon.com slash fsfilms. Uh, we appreciate everyone that does. But specifically, we also uh, very much want to shout out to Antitonic, who donates $25 a month, and Chris Comfort, who also donates $25 a month. Uh, they've, you know, they've, they helped us get new lights, uh, and they're going to help us get more stuff, too. So thank you all very much for donating, and please... Give us some money. Um, uh, Sugar money, Piazza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go check us out at FinalShowFilms.com. Everything that we do is listed there. In the meantime, this has been Sensaku, Pookie, Units, and Shadow Course. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.